0: I believe the most important decision you will ever make is who you choose to partner with. It impacts your finances, your family, your mental health, possibly your career, where you live. Literally, it touches every aspect of your life.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Glow Podcast. In this episode, I'm in conversation with relationship expert and online dating coach, Demona Hoffman. She's the creator and host of the insightful podcast, Dates and Mates. Demona has written about relationships for publications like the Washington Post and has been the go-to person for relationship advice on the Drew Barrymore show. She shares about her early entry into online dating early enough to go into a Kinko FedEx office to scan her headshot. Since those days, she has learned to trust her intuition in dating and relationships and teaches others how to trust their intuition also. Demona shares how online dating and technology can be fantastic tools for finding a meaningful relationship. We discuss the importance of prioritizing self-care, and Demona touches on how yoga and wellness have informed her coaching, and how the work she does is about personal transformation and a deeper understanding of self, which can lead to better boundaries and resilience around the process of finding love. Demona has a lovely, grounding yet lively energy an infectious laugh. I enjoyed my time with her so much. Whether you're single, dating, in a new relationship, in a long-term relationship, there is much insight to be gleaned from this thoughtful conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Demona. I am excited to have you here. As I mentioned in the opening, you are a dating and relationship expert. This is great because this is our first podcast where we have an opportunity to highlight dating and relationships, and we'll touch on how wellness, specifically yoga and meditation, can play a role. So before we dive into that, I thought it would be great if we could get to hear a bit about your background, how you became passionate about offering guidance for dating and helping people find deep, meaningful relationships. And as you say, helping people write their love story.
0: Yes, so storytelling is the key element of both my story and the stories I help create for others. I actually began as a casting director in television, and I found that there were a lot of really talented actors that just did not know what to do to get in my office, to get noticed by someone like me. And then sometimes they would come in the office and <laughs> they would just just ruin any opportunity of us working together just by not knowing what... What the protocol was, what to do and how to really shine and tell their story, so I started teaching classes for actors in marketing and branding and how to have their their persona really come across in their mm. in their photos their headshots that were really their the entry point to getting into the room and at the same time, I was online dating and I started to realize the similarities between a headshot and a dating profile photo. And I think we can all agree that a first date is basically an audition. <laughs> so <laughs> once once I applied those techniques that I was use, I was employing to help actors towards my online dating experience, I ended up meeting my husband on a dating site. Lisa, this is like I'm almost embarrassed to say it was 18 years ago. Wow. And yes, and <laughs> online dating wasn't real back then. <laughs> and um, that was kind of the beginning. I never set out to be a dating coach, but I found that I really had a a skill set and an understanding that needed to be shared with the world. I started out just coaching friends and family. And from there, it snowballed. And I was working the whole time going up the chain in television. But this was sort of my side hustle for a long time. And um, ultimately, I decided to pursue it full time. After I had my daughter, we can talk a whole (laughs) whole, (laughs) lot about transitions and and that decision point. But um, then I became certified as a life coach. And then specifically as a dating coach to help people all the way from pre-date to pre-marriage.
1: So that's your sweet spot. Your sort of passion spot is that pre-date preparing profile and then moving in together and getting ready to deepen the relationship.
0: That is my that is my sweet spot yeah that's okay. the the place i get really passionate because that's where we can um we can stop the train <laughs> and and reroute it if it needs to be yeah. um i have worked in television with uh couples as well but my 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 real passion is for helping people that are really frustrated in love and feeling like they they just haven't figured out how to do it Mm -hmm. and you know especially also people that have given up that are like well maybe I'm not meant to have a relationship and I just have seen personally because I I didn't believe it was possible for myself I did not think I when I met my husband I was like I think I made you up you're a figment (laughs) of my imagination you don't actually exist and so I've just done a complete 80 180 on love and that's what makes me inspired to keep doing this work when I see those transformations happen for other people too.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah. And then when you can lean in on your personal experience, I think that makes it all the more authentic for the work you're doing to help inspire other because you're drawing on personal experience and there's nothing like that. You know, you're not just reading it in a book or, you know, learning in a class, but you're actually, you know, it's, it's some of that, but you're also drawing in on your personal experience, which is even more meaningful, I feel.
0: Yeah, it's all of those things. And then it's also working with clients over the last 15 plus years. I have seen, I've seen it all. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I've been through many evolutions. And and even, you know, I, I was using dating apps before they were dating apps when it was just dating. I heard that you
1: went and faxed your profile at a Kinko's or something. I scanned it. Okay, so just imagine, picture it,
0: 2003. You want to be on a dating site. So how do you get your picture onto the computer? You only have a physical picture and you don't have any, there's no digital transfer. There's no cell phones that have picture capability. So yeah, right. I had to go to FedEx Kinko's. Honestly, one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. I was convinced oh. that the guy knew why I was scanning my photos. Like I could have been scanning it for any reason. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, he knows I'm online dating. This is so embarrassing. And this may speak to any, any listeners that are like, I have tried online dating. I'm scared of online dating. I don't know. It has a stigma. This may speak to them. So I was feeling all those things. And then I scanned my photo and started my my dating profile. And so the difference back then was the barrier for entry was really high. Mm -hmm. And if you were on a dating site, you had to go through all those steps. You had to really want to be there. So I love, I love dating apps. I love that the industry has evolved since then um, because now it's more accessible to people. And that's, you know, that's the other thing that I love about just the, tech tools that we have and you know glow was really early to step into this space as well like yeah. making something that had a higher barrier for entry like when you had to yes. get your bag and get your get your mat and get everything and go to this go to the studio right no you could just access it from your home so I love that it's made online dating accessible but of course with with more opportunity and access comes a different set of challenges absolutely absolutely
1: yeah, so uh, can we dive a little bit into how your podcast came to be? Cuz your podcast Dates and Mates and then I love the sort of subtitle Modern Love Made Simple. I love this concept because we can we can overcomplicate things and as I've explored your work, it seems like you really offer straightforward, practical, actionable guidance. And I just think that's extra important in a world where we're sort of bombarded and have a lot of energy or information rather coming at us from everywhere. I really walk that
0: line, Lisa, between the practical and strategic and sort of the, hmm, more esoteric, you know, the this the stuff that you can't see. Because I think both of those things are important. Mm-hmm. But I find that a lot of people come to me because I am so grounded mm-hmm. and I am so logical. They're like, just show me the steps. But, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone is ready to do the deeper level work or is or or has just a a worldview or background where they're they're ready to to accept those principles and how they can dovetail with the strategic. So the, 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 the strategy is really what brings folks in, but then sometimes we'll get into these other layers as well. And the podcast dates and mates is really, it, it's my, it's the place where I get to try out all of those philosophies, see what resonates for people and, I, it's, it's part interview, part headlines, and part Q&A. So I really aim to create a dialogue with my listeners. By having the Q&A, I can hear exactly what they're going through right now. And I guarantee you the questions that are coming in today are not the same that were coming in a year ago or two years ago. Even though a lot of the themes repeat, mm-hmm. There are always elements that are changing, which keeps me interested in dating and relationships. They're always growing, always evolving, and the landscape is constantly changing.
1: I can see that. There are probably some things that are evergreen, but then on top of that, there are, as the times change, there are things changing along with that to address that you maybe couldn't even see a year ago that, oh, I would need to, well, let's, the pandemic, for instance, never thought I'd have to address people Na- you know, navigating through dating and relationships during a pandemic—I'm sure that came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, if I could have seen the pandemic coming, uh, you know, I, I would—I would be in a de- very different place right now. But what I did do, Lisa, I—I um—I talked about. I do this future of dating episode every year, and I predict. <laughs> I also dabble a little bit in the psychic mediumship, but beyond it. that, I. As a dating coach who is also on the pulse of what's happening at dating apps, I work with OkCupid and I've worked with Match in the past. So I'm on the pulse of what they're doing. I'm seeing on the ground what is, what daters are experiencing. And I couple that with my own intuition and predict what's, what's next. And I actually said March of 2020, like early March, I said, get ready for video dating I, I said you sh- you need to embrace this as a screening tool and it may not replace the date entirely, but this is technology that you need to get comfortable with because there's, there was so much burnout that was, that I was seeing, like I was, I was getting ready to do an, NPR Life Kit episode about dating fatigue mm-hmm. right before the pandemic hit because the speed of dating increased dramatically uh, since the the invention of Tinder. And that accessibility piece, it made a lot of people want to try it. But then uh, it, it was sort of this paradox of choice where there were so many options. People didn't know really how to navigate through all of those choices that they had to make. Mm-hmm. And I have always since I started as a dating coach, recommended doing a screening step, a phone call before you get to the date. And that helps you filter out and make sure that people are really in alignment before you go through the process of getting, getting dressed, getting in the right headspace, getting to the date, going through the date, following up after the date. That's a lot, a of, lot of energetic yeah. output.
1: Mm-hmm. A lot.
0: And I think I talk a lot with my clients about the the pie of energy. There's only so much. And so when you're choosing to go out with someone, you're choosing to invest in someone, that's a no that you're saying to something else. And what was happening is everybody was just saying, saying yes to everything. And the possibility of what it could be was just driving this momentum that was unsustainable. So I said, get comfortable with video dating. I didn't know. I didn't know that was going to be (laughs) the only option for several months. Now I'm seeing that people are more willing to, to meet up in person in environments that they feel safe and comfortable in. Sure. And I've had to navigate people through a lot of different transitions. And then beyond that, I also have seen changes in... In attitudes around race, uh, for those who can't see me, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see me. Um, I I come from a multiracial background, and and the expansion of my cultural understanding is something that has always driven me in relationships, not just romantic. But mm-hmm. I really feel like my my life and my world is enhanced by getting to know people of other cultures, and that's something that. I really promote to my clients in dating as well. So in the last year, I also wrote a piece for the Washington Post on race and dating and whether your dating preference is actually uh, unconscious racial bias. And if so, what are the steps to unpack that, which, you know, may have been just a little too deep for the Washington Post (laughs) audience. I'm not really sure. I got a lot of positive and a lot of negative feedback, but that's just what I do is aim to invite people to, to question. And this is something that I've also gained from my yoga practice. That self-study is, is so vital and and that's what really fuels me to go forward and, and fuels a lot of the people that come to me. And then just the third thing that I've seen a big shift around is, um, the understanding of gender and uh, an orientation, and my audience has really expanded in the queer community, and I love that. If my, if if I'm all about inclusivity, I need to be speaking to to people whose whose um, identity didn't seem reflected in older dating and relationship advice.
1: That's beautiful. I love all of this. First of all, I would love to read the post article and let's, we'll have a link to that actually in the, in the show notes. Cause get ready. (laughs) It sounds beautiful and deep and relevant and super important. So I'd like to include that link in, in the show notes. And, um, there was something that you said that, well, first of all, expert in relationships and dating yogi practitioner would love to hear about how you weave in sort of yogi concepts, if you will, into your coaching, how what you've learned, as you say, it can help with self-inquiry, self-awareness, create a mindset of curiosity, and so forth. Um, And so I'm just wondering how you integrate that into your coaching.
0: Very slyly and seamlessly.
1: (laughs) Do you sort of read the audience and say like, okay, I need to put it in here in a different way for some than I may for others? and. I do, bit, yeah, <laughs> I do. You know, and sometimes,
0: sometimes I I missed up and find that people aren't ready to embrace that. It's just so much a part of who I am and the way that I move through the world. I've been practicing now for it was my twenty first yoga in June. Oh, <laughs> I call it my yoga People use that <laughs> term, but it's just so deeply ingrained in in the way i move through the world and therefore also in the way that i coach but let's just start with the concept of practice as it is like i remember when i first stepped into a yoga class and they were like you know what you know where are you in your practice and i'm like what are you talking about like practice <laughs> what am i practicing for but this this concept of of practicing is the act it's not that you're practicing for you know a like coming from television like you're not practicing for a performance or for for a show you're practicing because there's value in the art of the practice and that's something that i try to bring in like i can't i'm not a matchmaker and even a matchmaker cannot promise you a result because you're dealing with two thinking beings that are evolving and changing and that have different attract- attractions and different interests. So, as much as I can sort of anticipate and guide people towards matching based on their values, I can't account for the for this X factor. Sure. But what I can promise people is when they coach with me you will gain a d- deeper understanding of yourself, of what drives you, what you need, how to take care of yourself, how to set boundaries, how so many principles, actually, that even as I'm talking, I'm like, oh, that's a yoga principle. That's a yoga principle. Uh, so, so I offer transformation. Now, I can say that the majority of people who go through my one-on-one coaching program end up in a relationship prior to the pandemic. I had 90% of the people who went through the program were in a relationship within three months, which is kind of an insane ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of people that are like, you know, it, now it takes longer. It do, If you're, if you're aligned, another yoga principle, there I go. If you're aligned, it, it doesn't, take that long if you get the right strategy in place. So it's that, again, that, that yin and yang, the, the, the practical and the, the more, the, the flow of. The feminine
1: of, intuitive kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause then your is open. You're in alignment with your energy, like energy attracts like energy. And now you're able to pull in and attract the person.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But I can't, promise
1: that and I I I hesitate to guarantee it
0: and like you know whenever I do television or an article they're always like what is your match percentage and it's like I'm not that's not what I'm tracking that's not what I'm measuring I'm measuring the experience and the transformation that people are having so what is your success rate it's a hundred percent that's because no one leaves my program the same way that they came in like how do you rank a yoga class (laughs) or a meditation class (laughs) like uh I experienced it, like was it a ten i i I don't know like is was it a hundred percent effective? I don't know. I just experienced it. so while I have been able to create really amazing results for people, the result is not the goal. Mm-hmm. Um gosh, there's so much Lisa that I could bring from my yoga practice into it, but I, the other thing that I find is really challenging in dating and in relationships is this um, being in the present moment. And that's something that my yoga practice has really helped me with tremendously. I i am very type A. Mm-hmm. I, in case you can't tell, <laughs> I was always like, you know, one of those people that was like ruminating about the past or projecting to the future and through yoga and meditation, I have learned the value of being present. And this is something that I really strive to convey to my clients through my programs that that's all you have when you're dating or when you're relating to a to a person that you're in a relationship with. You have to stay right here with them to be able to connect and communicate.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that because I feel like the more one does that, it allows space for the other to then also come into that energy as well. Back to the the numbers thing of your success rate, because that really just got me thinking of that first one may not be the match, but there's something taken from there, some experience. And as you said, they've had some insight, some self, self-inquiry, some awareness, something has opened up. So whether it's that next relationship or the next one from there, it doesn't matter. It's coming. They've now sort of cracked open the well, if you will, start to allow for this energy to come in. And it may take a time or two. Like I was in relationships with lovely people, very safe, loving relationships, but something just didn't feel quite right energetically. And I would get brave enough to walk away. Even though it felt beautiful in so many ways, I still felt like, No, there's something I'm supposed to be feeling when I meet the life partner that I want to feel. And every time I got brave enough to walk away, I was open and gifted with the next person that was now an alignment match and then entered my husband of 11 years. And I intuitively knew it was coming. Maybe we could tap into that a little bit in terms of yoga and and meditation and and entrusting our intuition that something is coming and to not get bogged down with doubt and fear around it.
0: (laughs) Oh boy. I literally just got this question from a dates and mates listener yesterday. Oh funny. And I was like, this is such a challenging. This is like my my goal for this year is to to really teach act actively teach the use of intuition in dating and relationships. And it's it's something that I've been studying separate from my yoga practice for a long time, but it's really hard. I'll just say what this listener was saying was it's hard to decipher anxiety and those other feelings that are coming up from, to to tell the difference between anxiety and the feelings that are coming up and then um, intuition. Mm -hmm. And I use what we call clear sentience, like how the, the, the knowing that you get and that gut feeling you actually use, I don't even know if you realize you said the word feel it's that you said, it doesn't feel quite right. I really use that in, in my coaching practice and trying to get people to drop down into their gut and, and say, and, and tune into what is happening and what, I coached her to do was actually to get quiet, to meditate, to then ask the question, like when you are in that place of stillness, ask the question again, is this this the the relationship for me? Is this my intuition or is this my anxiety? And then to hear what comes up first, because it's when we start to talk ourselves into a certain outcome or out of a certain outcome Mm -hmm. that our intuition, we can't trust our intuition. So it's really the coming from a place of stillness and then that first response that comes through Mm -hmm. that often informs Um, the situation. I also, for the longest time, even before I started my yoga practice, I used to do dream journals Mm -hmm. and I would keep, I would keep a journal by my bed because again, when the thinking brain gets involved, the intuitive brain can't cut through. And when you are sleeping and you're, you're resting in that unconscious mind, it's easier for the messages to be delivered. So I would keep a pen and paper just by my bed to and ask a question before bed and see what came up. And sometimes it's absolute gibberish, but sometimes there's a nugget of information in there that is useful and can be applied to the situation. Most often- it it can be, or it shifts the feeling where suddenly then you show up and then you're like, wait, I know this doesn't feel right because I actually asked the question of myself instead of just going with the momentum like we were talking about
1: before. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, a couple things came to mind. So first of all, as you say, getting out of the head into the heart, that practice of settling in. And then as you say, trusting that first hit, because once that first hit comes, that's usually the true, the true um, answer, if you will, or or guidance, before the mind has had a chance to come in and say, but wait, he's this and that. But remember when he was sweet and brought you soup when you were sick, and he did this. And you're trying to rationalize and be like, well, he really is a good person. Um, but something else is saying, mm, it's just not. It's just I feel like there's something more for me. You know, I feel like there's something else. And then. I love the power of the subconscious mind. I don't know if you've read that book by Joseph Murphy Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things, you know, he, he uh, gets into as well. And there is just, um, putting those intentions and those words out before you fall asleep and then waking up and just seeing what's there. As you say, it might not be as clear as, you know, go to this site and find this person's name. Like it might not be exact, but you will start as you tap into that, um, sort of tool or exercise, you will start to see probably a pattern begin where you're getting a little more insight, a little more guidance, and something will hit you that feels like, okay, this this feels right. So I love all of that. Yeah. And
0: it's all practice. It's all practice. Like yeah. even with my my intuition work, a lot of it starts with meditation, actually. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, it is, uh, I see the impact when I'm when I practice it more and I actually put it to use Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to hear it and it comes through more clearly the more that I do it so even though and it sometimes it feels like it's happening very slowly
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) at least that's what my clients tell me and it is the culmination effort (laughs) like and I have to say and tell me if this is true for your experience it doesn't take – you don't have to carve out, you know, 30 minutes or an hour even, but it's the consistency of it, of that tapping in and getting getting familiar and comfortable with sitting down, settling, stillness, and just tapping in.
0: Yeah. I I don't know if I've ever meditated for, like, longer than 30 minutes, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, I I find also within the practice – like, my husband – he's kind of an all or nothing person. And so he feels like if I'm not doing it every day, I, he has a hard time committing to it. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm working on him. (laughs) I'm not his coach. I'm his wife. But, you know, for my clients or for anyone listening, who's just like, oh, well, that even sounds like a big commitment. it, It doesn't have to be a lot of time. And it doesn't also have to be an everyday commitment. Mm-hmm. Maybe you begin with a, a once a week commitment. And then as like I find with my my meditation practice has opened up a lot in the last, I would say, three years. And I find that now the more that I do it, the more that I want to do it. So it doesn't feel like a chore to create the space. The space wants to create itself. But even around dating, I'll say to my clients, you need to create a practice around dating. And I'll say, um, you need to devote three hours a week to this process. If you feel that this is one of the most important elements of your life right now, if this is something that on a scale of one to 10, you would like to see this change at a seven, eight, nine, or 10, Mm -hmm. then you have to be willing to create the space For the change to happen, I I just I when people come to me and say like I'll just know it when I see it or Mm -hmm. you know I I didn't I don't want to do online dating. This is like one of the number one things I hear. I don't want to do dating apps because that's not how I envision meeting my person. I just want it to happen organically, and then I'll follow up and ask, well, then what are you doing? Well, nothing. I just wanted to happen organically.
1: I don't know about you, Lisa. I don't think that's how the universe works. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take the first step. You got to, you got to be willing yeah. to put in some, some effort. And right. the universe meet will the universe. meet you just like you got to right. do your part too. co-create, right? Co-creation.
0: <laughs> yes. That's a big, that's a big, uh, that's one of my words of the year actually co-create uh, because that is the process. It is doing enough of the foundational work so that the magic can yes. come through. and. This is what's so wild about what I do. It's really, I believe, the most important decision you will ever make. Who you choose to partner with, blend your life with, it impacts your finances, your family, your mental health, possibly your career, where you live. Every literally, it touches every aspect of your life. And yet, in our current culture, that's the thing that most people leave to chance—absolute chance. Like, I, I hope, I just hope I meet them. And I'm just I just want it to happen organically. most people haven't stopped to think about that and creating even when you're in a relationship like I am constantly constantly practicing mindfulness and and open heartedness and self study in my current relationship so that's the other thing going back to the original question of like of What's your success rate? Which you didn't ask, but other people ask. <laughs> that, there is n- there what is the finish
1: line? But there can't is no finish line. It. You can't measure it,
0: no. I Yeah, I'm married, but I'm not, we're not done. The relationship's not done. That's right. We're still having to show up. We're still having to ask these questions of ourselves. We're still having to do our own practice and practice together. <laughs> so... Again, it's 100%. Actually, one of my yoga teachers used to say that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, how, what, how much should, should, I, should I be using strength? And how much should I be using flexibility? Well, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%.
1: <laughs> I love that that's your answer. Because you are having an impact. Like I said, the evidence might not be there right today, but it's, it's coming. And it's, yeah, it's a work in progress. So in light of the pandemic racial injustice, gun violence, climate crisis, and more. Do you feel like people are leaning into vulnerability more and becoming more empathetic, compassionate? Because um, there's a part of me that feels like the collective heart of humanity has just been cracked open, you know, these last, in general, but especially these this last year, year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. And people seem to be allowing space for in becoming more aware of the importance of empathy and compassion. But I just wondered if you were seeing evidence of that in your in your practice.
0: I want to say yes so badly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I almost feel like
0: there's a little bit of empathy fatigue going on mm. and I'm not seeing it as much as I would like to And actually this year I I launched the year with a program, that focused on a new concept, empathetic dating. And I said, this is this is what like I don't I can't control what all the other people are out there doing. But my daters, I want them to be dating from a place of empathy. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not your job to to help people or to fix people. It's your job to but it's your job to be present and authentic with them and to meet them where they're at. And this is something that I've just, like you said, I've acknowledged a lot. Like everybody has moved through this pandemic differently and had different experiences. And so I had to keep reminding folks that the people you meet, they may have lost someone. They may have, they may be dealing with financial insecurity. Mm -hmm. They may be dealing with depression from isolation and that doesn't mean that they are not worthy and deserving of love and that they couldn't be a great partner for you and if you come to the table with an open heart from that place of vulnerability and authenticity and empathy and meet them where they're at then you can have a real organic connection even if that person is not for you and one thing I tell my, my clients to do is it's sort of like, a, it's actually like a feng shui principle, <laughs> but you know, thank and, thank and release. Yes. So if there's something that you, if there's some, someone that you can see the person that they are there and I, I really believe <laughs> my dad argues with me on this, <laughs> but I believe that everyone is doing their best I think with the information that they have, with the experiences that they have, most people are doing the best that they can. I'd agree with that. Of course, you're going to find some outliers. My dad's like, really? You believe that? (laughs) (laughs) I really, really do believe that. And so if you come from that perspective, instead of just like treating people like, well, I'm trying to find the right person. This person isn't it. So, so, so swipe, 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 swipe. Mm -hmm. But if it's just a moment of acknowledgement, thank you, Thank you and release that person to be able to find their highest quality, best possible match that opens you up for you to be able to find that person. And that keeps that energetic loop that we were talking about continuing to flow.
1: I think that's a super important point. So that because that moment of I've opened myself up, it's not working out now. Maybe you're a little scared to be open the next time but the sure. encouragement is you've opened yourself up um you gain you know you gained something from the experience some type of lesson to apply maybe next time or at least you've had the experience of sharing which is super important and such a great practice in itself the practice of being vulnerable and sharing your heart and then almost like i don't love to use the word rejection but it's almost like the fact that it didn't work out is actually a blessing because it's showing you that there's someone better around the corner. And to flip it to that perspective will create, you know, a more openness and even excitement and thrill of like, okay, that one didn't work out. That's okay. There's someone better. So, you know, better quote in quotes, um, better for you, better for you coming around the corner. So it's almost like, you know, um, the the rejection is is protection. You're being protected in some way to say, hold on, this was a good opportunity. This was a good experience, a good life experience, but we've got someone coming better for you around the corner, so hang in there.
0: Yes, I tell my clients, when it doesn't work out, you're either being spared or prepared. Mm, You're either
1: spared a lot of heartbreak
0: (laughs) or a lot of drama or just a lot of time that wasn't, going to add up to what you wanted or you're being prepared for that better match for you down the road.
1: What guidance would you give someone to help them pay attention to the signs? So when it doesn't quite feel right to heed the call, like I guess it's the bravery to pay attention to the red flags and then taking the action steps, what guidance do you give there?
0: So this all has to start back at the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) Because before I even get my clients dating, we do a whole mindset piece. We get really clear on the person that we want to meet. I do visualization with them. I do lead meditations. I have them write an ideal, a, a living vision for them. Like picture yourself six months in the future With this perfect person for you and what does that feel like I really get into the feeling there what does it feel like to be with this person and I tell them and they tell me when when they come back and say I'm in a relationship I tell them that feeling will be repeated you will recognize that feeling you might not recognize the package that they come in but you're going to know that feeling for sure you're going to say oh this is what it felt like this is what it's supposed to feel like mm-hmm. and then you're going to look back on all those other relationships where it was constant push and pull and inner turmoil and questioning and you're going to say oh that was the sign that was the sign so we both look back at past relationships and what we can learn from them mm-hmm. we 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 visualize forward and then we we try and stay in the moment so then when they come back to me and they've been dating for a few months and they are like, I'm not really sure if this is right. We go back to that living vision. We go back to what you pictured and how it felt. And we see how well does this really line up? And usually it's actually not as, it's not as hard as we make it most of the time. Mm -hmm. It's that most of the time we're trying, when we have that kind of inner dissonance it's because we have ignored the signs and we're trying to we're not in alignment with what with the clarity we got at the beginning and we're trying to make these other pieces fit but you know I have little kids like if you've ever tried to (laughs) put a puzzle together when the pieces aren't the right my seven-year-old like loves to just jam the piece in
1: there (laughs) like that is not the piece that is not the piece (laughs) I'm gonna make this fit Even if I have to trim (laughs) the edges. (laughs) And
0: we know, and we know, we just don't want to, we don't want to hear it. And
1: so many times people
0: write into dates and mates and they're kind of asking for my permission to one, have chosen wrong, but there is no wrong. Like we were saying earlier, Mm -hmm. it's all an experience that informs what's next. So to have chosen Someone that's not the right fit and feeling foolish or feeling rejected or feeling like, oh, I have to go back out here and do this all again. Mm -hmm. That keeps us from making decisions that we know are ultimately the right decisions for us.
1: Right. From the experience, you know, okay, this is what I don't want. Now I know what doesn't work for me, what doesn't serve me. Do you have an exercise you do of like, what have you learned from past relationships that you know, just does not align and does not work for you just to keep those in mind so that when you do feel it, you're like, oh, now I know the difference. Well,
0: it's funny because when I'm when I started writing profiles, um, you know, I, I would do a profile polish and look at at what someone had written mm-hmm. and I could literally tell their entire relationship history just from reading their profile. <laughs> Cause it's like, don't even talk to me if you're going to be a cheater, if you're like not interested, or if you have kids from, you know, if a complicated baby mama situation or whatever it is, <laughs> I could read the writing on the wall. And so a lot of times we know what those things are because they, they show up as don'ts mm-hmm. as, as no's. For us, and so I try to rewrite those for people in in a more positive, um, a more positive framework, Mm -hmm. and uh, I even identify them as as patterns as samskaras. I say, you know, you the more you work this groove, the more you will continue to live in that mindset. So we'll rewrite the mantra, and we will we will say, if this was not true, and your highest possible relationship could happen for you, what would that phrase be? What would the inverse of this negative phrase be? What is the positive? And then every time that feeling comes up, then I literally have them, they've written and and recited the phrase so many times that it becomes second nature to meet that thought with the alternative, more positive mantra.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah, because and the truth is, if someone has cheated on someone in their past, and they've learned a lot from that experience, that may be the person they may have grown so much, they may have become that much more compassionate and empathetic from having gone through that, that to immediately close someone off that has been a human and made a mistake in their life, you could be cutting yourself off from the person that you connect with, we all have something from our past that we're not, you know, thrilled about or that we're not proud of, but that's how we grow. And that's how we learn lessons and cultivate self-awareness. Right. And if you have a growth mindset,
0: then the, the highlight of this is that there's always room to change. There's always re- room to rewrite that story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I said a while ago, I, I did not believe this relationship that I am in was possible because I just hadn't seen it before. I came from a household of uh, my parents were divorced. I didn't have the relationship role models that really even showed me that the kind of relationship I have really exists. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of go on faith Mm -hmm. and I had to unfold it one day at a time but if i believed my past relationships were the best that was possible for me and didn't didn't make a conscious effort i i wrote a dating plan for myself which is also something that i do with my clients so this is the the practical meeting the 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 more spiritual i got clarity on the pattern that i had that was not serving me any longer and maybe in that phase of your life maybe that pattern did serve a purpose or was the only dynamic that could unfold with that person mm-hmm. but then it's it's so powerful when you take control of that narrative and make a decision to rewrite it for yourself i wrote a dating plan i i named my dating philosophy and got total clarity on the person that i wanted to meet next And it, again, it didn't take long. Once I had that clarity within three months of ending a relationship that was not serving me, Mm -hmm. of having the absolute bravest conversation I had ever had, the most vulnerable conversation of, this is what I need this relationship to be. And I'm not trying to push a certain outcome from you. I'm not trying to, you know, force, force your hand or, or trick you into saying, pressure you into saying something that you don't believe, but this is what I need in a relationship. And that person was like, not there, can't do it. So that enabled me, that break enabled me to visualize what was really possible for myself and to be open to it. And I really believe that if I had been stuck in the old narrative or in the old relationship, I wouldn't have been open to what was going to unfold for me. And I've just seen this happen with so many clients over the years. So many people that come to me and they're just like, like I have another client who she had been, she got married and within six months she was like, I made a mistake. I I am getting divorced. And she kind of went through the online dating on off again, on again, off again. And she was just like, I'm done with it. And I said, we give me one more chance to rewrite your profile. And like, if they're, my my teachers talk about, you know, if something is 51% believable, if if it's just slightly more pro- probable, then it's not probable that it can happen. You can keep the faith alive just long enough. It could, could happen. Yeah, the mustard and, seed,
1: the mustard seed.
0: Right. So she believed it uh, enough to let me redo her profile. Ended up meeting someone within three months by the next year, they were married almost a year to the to the day of their wow. their first date and i mean she was like right on the verge of just giving up but if we can just cultivate that that hope and that faith yeah and that clarity of knowing what it is that you really need and not accepting less than that mm-hmm. not continuing to invest in less than that then you can conserve your energy for the right situation
1: and that sounds like to have a bit of a flip from victim to empowerment as well in that moment oh, yeah i don't
0: I don't do victim mentality I don't yeah,
1: do it it doesn't serve or help there's anyone
0: just, yeah yeah, there's no place for that now, you know I'm not um diminishing like there are people that have been victims of very difficult circumstances, mm-hmm. and I, that is not. I'm, that isn't, I just want to clarify yes, that is not different. what I'm talking about here. Right. Um. But I do feel that it is empowering, even if you have been a victim, to know that that doesn't have to be, that can be part of your story, but that doesn't have to be your destiny.
1: I love that. Yeah, because otherwise you're giving that situation power, energy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. What do you say for folks that are bringing past hurts, pain from a previous relationship into a new relationship, whether you're conscious or aware of it or not. Looking to the new partner to heal what had gone on in this previous relationship. Do you see that theme come up?
0: Yeah, of course it comes up. Um, but I actually believe that we we learn in motion. Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of times people will say, "I'm taking a dating hiatus. Like that relationship didn't work out, so I'm just taking a break." Which I think is useful for a time. If you need to do some self care, self study, and you need to get clarity, sure, take that time. But I I'm careful not to let people rest on that as a crutch, because when when you are cutting yourself off to the possibility of the relationship unfolding, I actually think you are robbing yourself of more opportunity for growth because we learn relationally for the most part. I mean, that's, that's human nature. So I think you actually can do this work while you are dating. Now, I want to also be clear, I am not a therapist, but I believe very strongly in therapy. So if you know there's something that you need to heal, you better take yourself to therapy (laughs) at the same time. But I think you can do that at the same time. Like people will say to me, oh, I'm working with a therapist. Should I finish my course of therapy before I begin dating coaching? Um, And I can't answer that question for any person, but I have seen that it can be very effective in tandem because we're processing what has happened to you at the same time that we are creating your your new story Mm -hmm. for the future. And then you can actually put these principles, we could talk about a lot of this stuff for hours, Mm -hmm. but when you're actually putting the principles into action, when you're practicing being present, when you're practicing recognizing the the feeling of the past that you don't want to repeat, that's when you go, ah, okay, now I know what my therapist was talking about or what Demona was talking about. It does feel different. Beautiful. It's easier to learn that
1: way. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. Yeah. Don't give up your chance to have that partner just because there's something you're still healing from that's okay you can do it in parallel you can have that separate you're working out things but also cultivating this new relationship and applying what you're learning through the coaching or through therapy into the new sort of fertilizing the soil of the new relationship which I think is great yeah I I love that I was also thinking about what you said earlier just about how we learn through relations and that's so important is we do learn so much about how about ourselves by being in relationships which which is what you meant by that right in terms of um you know sort of holding a mirror and having people reflect back to us things that we may not may or may not be aware of in ourselves or
0: yeah i'll relate this actually back to yoga okay perfect <laughs> because if you can tell someone how to do a pose, like, and I'm, I'm experiencing this a lot now with, um, you know, the difference between audio classes and video classes. If you tell someone a pose and they've never seen it or experienced it, they may have trouble being able to put their body in that position. But if you show them the pose, you help put their body in the space of the pose, then they're like, oh, I feel what this feels like. And I can repeat this so that the next time the teacher says says warrior two, they already know where their uh, where their body needs to go. So it's really the same thing in emotional development. We we learn we can talk about the concept but if you haven't experienced it or felt it before you may not actually know that it's possible or know what it will feel like or be able you know to mm-hmm. to to put yourself in the space to receive that but if you're out in the world actually relating to people then you can be learning as you go and learning in the motion
1: Yes, yes, yes. I love that. Okay, good. That's so good. Um, can we just touch on burnout again? Because I feel like we're in this, and we have been in this sort of epidemic of autoimmune conditions, adrenal burnout. I was thinking about dating burnout and conserving emotional time, energy. Our time and energy is very precious to us and who we spend that time and energy with matters. I've learned to to have boundaries because of my autoimmune condition. And we have this thing called the spoon theory where it's like, I have 10 spoons today and, mm-hmm. you know, decide who, who I and what I can give those 10 spoons to so that I'm not left with like a spoon deficiency at the end of the day, so to speak. But, <laughs> um, um, and I know it can be exhausting and you have to be brave to put yourself out there sometimes again and again, because if something doesn't work out just regroup, have the courage to, get back out there again in the dating world and be vulnerable again. But so do you have some type of, and we'll get to this toward the end of our conversation today of sort of self-care non-negotiables, but is that one of the things you tap into? Cause I, I love that you weave in um, some wellness techniques into your, into your coaching and practice like yoga and meditation. Do you have them identify Like what fills your cup and let's make sure that you're continually doing that so that you're not left, you know, depleted at the end of the day.
0: Such a great question. Um, That makes me think of two things. One is this dating plan that I keep talking about. So I do my programs in a set grouping of weeks. So you're not committing to giving it a hundred percent every day for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're committing to focusing on this one area of a really important area of your life for four weeks or 10 weeks or whatever the, the length is. But it's when you have that, that kind of end point in mind, it doesn't feel as, exhausting. I think that's one of the reasons that, I mean, the pandemic is exhausting as it is, right? But the fact that there is no end point. And I think that's the reason that, you know, in in the era of of variants has been so hard for people to embrace and feels extra exhausting because it was like, oh, we thought we got to the finish line. Mm -hmm. And now you just pushed us back 10 paces and we got to start over. So if, if in dating or relationships you can kind of give yourself a framework of i'm going to make this focus number one or two of my life for the next three months it's not so exhausting the other thing is i do self-care every day it is vitally important and in my relationship my husband understands this for me Um, I must do some sort, I must move my body every day. I must do some sort of practice, whether it's yoga or spinning, or this morning I took my dog out for a hike. Um, and for me, I've realized I need to be in nature. I also get replenished in that way. Mm -hmm. And again, it doesn't have to be a long amount of time, but I recognize that that's very important. So I build my day around that, that self-care and then the other thing for my clients that I think is important is um, making sure that they can know how to reset their to their mindset and um, shift it when they need to for the date for the relationship so I have them do a pre-date ritual and it's different for everyone this is what's so fun about the work that I do it's so individual Mm -hmm. so for me like before when I was dating I I I like working out so I would go I'd go work out before the date which some people are like you don't want to go to a date all sweaty and you have your
1: (laughs) post-workout glow (laughs) <laughs> I liked
0: it. I liked it. It worked for me. That was my ritual. Um, for some of my clients, it's like for my daughter, I'll even say, she, she can get very anxious on her way to school. I put on music. I have a certain preschool playlist that literally the minute I put the music on, her whole attitude, her body language, everything shifts. So it might be meditation. It might be calling her mom. For me, it's not calling my mom. <laughs> But knowing where your triggers are and knowing what fills your cup and building that in, don't schedule your dates like coming right from work and you're bringing all that work energy that's frenetic and, and already burned out and then you're rushing into the date and you have no break, build that time in and set yourself up for success because I, I'm playing the long game, Lisa. Like I'm in this for, for a while. And I want my clients to also be playing the long game, even though I'm really focusing on this, this phase of dating, I, I'm setting a foundation for the future. So like you said, we can, we can really burn out if we are given out all of our spoons. (laughs) I love that analogy. And and it's it's your responsibility it's up to you to set the boundaries to ask for what you need and to take care of yourself first 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 before you op- you can even be open to love or to giving to another person
1: this is so important i love this part so much i'm i'm passionate about this whole conversation but extra passionate about this piece because as you said, too, the pre-dating sort of ritual may change day to day, right? Like someday it may look like lighting a candle, having a mug of chamomile tea and sitting for a meditation or a yoga nidra. And some days it might be blasting your favorite song and dancing around. It may sort of depend, as you say, am I coming from something that was, you know, a bit frenetic and I need to settle my energy? Or am I coming from something where I'm a little already maybe in a depressed sort of low you know a bit fatigued if you will and I want something to kind of energize me and get me excited and maybe it's going for a hike connecting with nature putting on music dancing around your room having fun with the getting ready ritual of you know whatever pour yourself a half a glass of wine or some type of non-alcoholic something that feels festive and feels like a celebration of life and then you take that energy with you to the actual meeting with the person and they'll, they'll feel that, which I think is so important. They'll feel whatever we have to remember, we can feel the energy that's coming into the room, sometimes well before they physically see us, you know, and, and connect with us. So mm, I think That is funny. so true. I that's love so it.
0: true. And I, I even try to teach my clients how to read energy through the apps when you're swiping, sometimes mm. you can feel the energy. And People sometimes think they're doing it, but they're really just going based on we're so visual and we we get these little clues. And this is something that I've been doing with clients from the beginning when I would say, like, there's too much information in your photo and I'm looking at everything behind you. Or like now on video dates, I talk about that. Like there's all this information behind you that you don't realize is speaking for you. Like you need to be the star of your profile and of your date. And so you want to focus in the environment, focus in the information and then really clear the path for yourself. Like I, I do so much preparation with my clients before they get to the date so that they can be in the moment. And so again, I'll bring this back to yoga. Like that's, that's the practice, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So we, we are constantly practicing, but what are we, what are we practicing for? We're practicing so that we can be I would say more ourselves, more right here in this moment. And your practice changes from day to day, mm-hmm. just like, you know, as you're in dating, is you're dating and in relationship with different people, whether it's romantic or not, the way that you show up is different from person to person. So if you do some preparation to clear the path for yourself, like, like, I I know right now in my pandemic yoga practice, I'm gonna need a block. (laughs) I'm gonna need a block (laughs) and a bolster. (laughs) uh, Yeah, and my my um twenty something yoga practitioner ego has to go away, (laughs) and and I have to embrace that. That's where my practice is right now, and that's something that I will need. So if we can apply that then to a dating situation, you may know that you would feel better and more present on the date if you reread their profile and have some questions uh, just become curious about them and what you've read and what what you want to know more about or you might know that you need to walk around the block to clear your head after work you may know that like for me getting ready for a date created so much anxiety mm. and what to wear and how to do my hair and how much makeup or what. So if you know that in the moment when you're already feeling high anxiety of going to the date, choosing what to wear is going to be an additional stressor, clear the path, path for yourself. Plan before you get there. Like I'll have my daters create a capsule wardrobe so this is always, you're gonna wear one of these three things. If you're going on a dinner date, no, don't go on a dinner date until you're like further down the road because those are boring. But you're going for drinks, you're going on a hike, doing something active, um, you're going on a casual date. You have like these these three outfits, you don't have to think about it. So you've done the preparation so that you can just be and settle in and and feel that that moment and hear what that person is saying and not be in the past or be projecting in the future.
1: I love that that path of least resistance. <laughs> <laughs> right, but you you really have to consciously cultivate that
0: yes. for yourself. Because if we just stumble into it, then you're you're going to get very stumbly results.
1: <laughs> and it's so true what you said. You know, thinking back to the prompts from teachers on a yoga mat, like the body you're showing up in today on this mat is gonna feel a lot different than the body that showed up yesterday and that the body that's gonna show up tomorrow. Today, reaching your toes might feel like nothing. Tomorrow, your hamstrings and hips might feel like a completely different person. And to, as you say, like lean into that, embrace that and just have that awareness can be applied to so many things in life. I really love Mm -hmm. that metaphor. Life is yoga. <laughs> it is with everything. How we pour our <laughs> cup of tea and yeah, it can be applied to to everything. And the pandemic has given us opportunity for this. I'm a big nature lover. Like let's get outside. Let's explore. Let's get those endorphins flowing and connecting with each other. And even if it's a creativity date, let's go to the park and paint something together or just, you know, be silly and playful. And it just allows for maybe some pressure to drop away. And so I love that you encourage sort of these other, I guess you'd call them kind of mini dates or just sort of testing the water, so to speak, before the pressure of diving into a sit-down dinner type of experience.
0: Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the activity date. Like yeah. everything you mention, I wholly co-sign. Like the paint and sip or, you know, the a hike or funny I had a celebrity client that I was like you should go you should go on a hiking date because that boosts your endorphins and so then already you're feeling the kind of hormonal release of like being excited with this person and your heart rate is going and she was like honey I do not hike <laughs> <She> was <laughs> like I, that would not be right for me I'm not it doesn't affect her in the same way that it affects me and I was like cool totally respect it. for her it was much more like you know sit And have a glass of wine and relax by a fire pit. But when you give yourself something else to do and then put yourself in an environment where there's something else to react to, Mm -hmm. it feels less like that interview we were talking about in the beginning where you're sitting across from this person going, oh, like what's going to happen next? Let me check everything off the list. You can, you can have other inputs. You can look at Look at the ocean, you can look at the trees, you can look at the dogs that are around and comment on things outside as well to take the pressure off of that awkwardness in meeting someone for the very first time or the second time or third time. You know, sometimes it's awkward for for a little while. And people I I really one really key principle that I've always lived by that's become kind of popular in the pandemic is slow slow dating or slow love,
1: mm.
0: you can't know someone the first time you meet them. So when people tell me, oh, it was love at first sight, I'm like, no, it's lust at first sight. It was lust at first, sight. Mm-hmm. It, was lust at first sight. it was a hormonal release. And let's just own that that's what it was. And it happened to be that there might have been something else under it, but there is no love at first sight. How can you love someone that you don't know? Right. So on that note, sometimes I'll get questions on dates and mates from listeners that are like I I really I really dig this person. I'm really into them. We've only had one or two dates, but I don't know how to move this along or how do I get them to commit or when do I have exclusivity? And I'm like slow dating, take your time because we we really get to know each other in little interactions over time, and also in the space that comes between those interactions. So when a client tells me, "Oh, I had a great first date," and you know i I saw them three, I saw them in the morning, and then we got back together in the evening, and then, and then I stayed over, and then we had breakfast. I'm like, "Oh, no, you didn't have a great first date because <laughs> it can be a little too much too soon." Sure. So really think of think of pulling, pulling the taffy, pulling, like stretching out that inter- interaction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would even say this is something that I've gained from my yoga practice. Like there, I can't think of any pose that just like the first time I did it, it was like, well, there it is. Take a picture. <laughs> it's, that handstand. it's done. <laughs> Put it on the no. cover.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so much of it is, is, so much of my practice has been in that commitment to keep showing up and then see how it evolves over time, see what I need to change, which adjustments I need to make. And then that adds up to something really beautiful and then something that sometimes goes away and then sometimes comes back. (laughs) But if people can embrace the process of dating and relationships more in that way, I think it's ultimately more satisfying. Mm -hmm. And you know, somebody on a deeper, much deeper level.
1: That is such a great point. And I was thinking of, there used to be years ago, this message circulating called slow down culture. Mm. And the whole premise behind it was how we've been, you know, our culture has been speeding up faster and faster. And the insights and experience that can come from shifting back to a slow down culture. And, you know, years ago when they put in the first, um, escalator they had smelling salts for people because just that movement of going up and down the <laughs> <laughs> it was. they passed out and so they needed the smelling salts but it just is, isn't and that wasn't you know so long ago but just the example of how things are sped up and how we send okay I sent my text five minutes have gone by I don't have a text back yet you know and judging that and and so I love that um that point that you just made, because I think it's so important to lean into. And that's a practice in and of itself to just slow down. And it's okay, if you're not getting in a a response within like a minute or something, you know, just let it unfold as it will, you know, that whole quote, nature finds her way and the, the flower blossoms and opens in her own way in her own time. And it's all for a greater purpose. And it's all beautiful. And just to that that in and of itself is a beautiful practice so i love i love that
0: look and even though i'm a dating and relationship expert like i'm not a life expert like i'm still learning so i have to practice that for myself all the time too yeah i and yeah the speed of dating has increased dramatically but it's not it's sort of in line with the speed of technology. Mm -hmm. Like people always say to me, oh, dating apps ruin dating. And I say, I don't think, I think dating apps really save dating, but I think, especially in the last couple of years, but I think actually texting is the bigger um, concern for me because it changed the way that we communicate. Like it's a completely different part of your brain than than synchronous real-time communication. And there's this thing that happens, like you were said, when you're waiting for a response and you're, you're, there's something else happening in your brain, trying to make sense of why you haven't heard back yet and all. And that's where the yoga comes in and the meditation and the, the willingness also to just be, to just, receive and accept and like detach from be, the
1: outcome of, of it, yeah. I guess.
0: Yeah. To just be where it where it is. And that's a lifelong practice for me. It's very challenging and um something that like if I can <laughs> if I can just share my journey with my clients um without the need to perfect that process, then I think I think we're winning. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I love mm-hmm. all this. Okay. I just have a couple quick questions. So as we are getting to our closing, but I wanted to ask, could you share a little bit more of the tools so that you use? So there's visualization, meditation, the, um, the dating, what was that part called? Dating the plan plan. I yeah. Love that. That's the
0: sort of self study. And, you know, a, a lot of it also, it really is inspired by, yoga. So, because all my whole life is inspired by yoga, I've now realized, (laughs) but you know, the, I, I, I do teach people also breathing techniques Mm. just so when they start to feel anxious, like this is deep stuff and whoever you meet and whichever experiences you go through in dating and relationships, it's gonna, it's gonna bring your stuff up right (laughs) so what do you do in that moment I try to give give all of my clients the tools so that they can navigate this is why I I am not a matchmaker I am a dating coach I I believe that everyone has the power to be their own best matchmaker and then regardless of what your prior experiences are your your family of origin your current situation I think that everyone has the capacity to be able to do this for themselves with the right tools of of refre- reflection of consciousness of of just breath and being able to to be i had a teacher that said like be non-reactive in a challenging situation mm-hmm. so Eating is challenging. Relationships are challenging.
1: So sort of proactively having some tools to incorporate when maybe you're feeling triggered. Yes. And you will feel
0: triggered. It will happen. It will happen. So the question is, how can I prepare my clients best for those moments when they come up Mm -hmm. And then I couple that all with a lot of really practical tools, like I understand dating apps it's it's just it's just technology. it's just a tool um it's not the same as in person chemistry like people will say, "Oh, I'm just gonna wait, especially ladies will say, "Well, I'm not getting any messages in or you know I, nobody's swiping right on me. I'm not getting any mass matches and i I see that when you are just just in a place of receiving and you're not putting any energy out then it it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy so the way that dating apps work it's like any other piece of technology like think of Instagram or Facebook when you start commenting on other people's posts and engaging on other people's posts you get more engagement on yours there's more people seeing your posts and when you when you comment and interact those pieces of technology like that. It's the same thing with dating apps. Yeah. When you respond to people, when you close the loop, when you are active on the app and you swipe right, you can actually you can actually impact the algorithm. The algorithm doesn't have feelings. The algorithm doesn't isn't attracted to things. The algorithm is a computer. And so when you understand the tools that you're working with and you know how to Utilize the technology to its highest potential, then things can shift very quickly. So it's it's all of these, uh, the the blend of all of these skills and practices that I put together to make just just make it make sense. Mm -hmm. I I find for so many people it's just like dating is the thing they leave to chance, and the and the dating is something they just don't understand. I didn't understand it, Mm -hmm. but there is there is a way to do it more effectively, more efficiently, more authentically. And just when you understand that, that's when you can really get into the flow. And that's where all the juicy stuff is.
1: Ugh. Love this. Okay, great. Well, that's a beautiful place to sort of end on. But before we cap off, I would love to hear your non-negotiables for you, Demona. What fills you up? With, so I, I know hiking, movement. Is there anything else you want to add to that? And I love that you said you build your day around that versus vice versa, having your full day and then finding a little window to squeeze in your movement. Is there right. anything else you wanted to add to that if you were to add one or two more things to filling you so that you're able to be and show up for your family and your clients and everyone in your world? Well, it's
0: kind of embarrassing, but I'll tell you since we're talking.
1: Just to me, just tell me. I have
0: worked on flossing for like my entire life. I don't know what happened in my household. They did not properly teach me how to floss. But, so it was you have not a part
1: beautiful of... smile. Thank you.
0: Um, it was not part of my practice for the longest time. And actually inside of the pandemic, I was like, okay. Cause I'm not, I used to travel a ton, I'm not traveling as much. So I don't have this excuse. I'm going to bed more at the same, same time in the same place. I was like, you need to floss. You need to commit to flossing. So I also have made that a part of my practice and it's something so small, uh, focusing on flossing. And it's so weird. I talked about this on, on dates and mates recently too. my skincare, like apparently mask knee is a really big thing that's making people feel very um insecure mm-hmm. and I coincidentally I also made a commitment to my skincare regimen which I never thought about at all before. I was just like I got blessed with good skin and was like, I don't need to think about it. And then in the pandemic I was like, oh, maybe you're getting older. Maybe you should think <laughs> about how to take care of your skin. But it's like we get we get one body. We That's get right. one body. Yeah. So I've been doing those two, two things before bed religiously. And I just, it, it, I feel like it impacts just the way I feel. It impacts my sleep. Um, The other thing is like sleep. (laughs) I need a hard eight, hard eight hours like that. I am super, super efficient during the day, and I recognize that my body and my brain need time to recharge, Mm -hmm. and that is an absolute non-negotiable, and that's something that I've been a sleep evangelist for a very long time. You cannot think carefully. You cannot think, see, there you go. You cannot think clearly. And you cannot, you cannot make your best choices and be your best self if you are not well-rested. So for me, it's a hard eight. For other people, it may be a hard seven. If you're, if you're getting into six and five, I think you're fooling
1: yourself. <laughs> yes, especially when you're juggling so many um, conversations with different people that are having different scenarios and you're juggling not just what you're hearing from them verbally, but also their energetics of it all that you're processing, so you're probably taking some things in and some information in and in just even a subconscious way that you're not even realizing that you're processing. Hence, needing the extra rest to meet those moments as well. Right. And especially,
0: yeah, if you're dating and, and in relationships, like <laughs> that's relating to people. It can can take a lot out of you. So, yeah, you got to be you got to be all the way there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we're going to have all of your contact info in the show notes, your website, um, demonahoffman.com, all the info for your podcast, as we mentioned earlier, Dates and Mates, Modern Love Made Simple. And you have so many generous offerings on your website, your blog post. Um, I mean, everything I, I, I perused a little bit through there and listened to some of the episodes, but everything from creating a dating profile to fear of dating which we could have probably spent a whole episode on that, to tips for moving in together, which I think is so important to that transition of going from dating, things are moving along nicely, and now we decided to take the step of moving in together. You highlight some of that there as well. And then your social channels offer great content too. I saw some wonderful videos on your Instagram page. So I encourage people to to tap into all of that wealth of information from you. And for your Q&A, is that something people just, write in their questions and can they remain anonymous sometimes or do you bring them on live or how does that work
0: they can remain anonymous i i love a dm Mm -hmm. At Damona Hoffman on all of the socials. I really love a voice memo DM. Because <laughs> I just, I, I I also think that there we have a whole conversation about the voice vibration and the information you can get from someone's voice. So I yeah. love to hear your voice. But if you're feeling shy, I understand you can just DM me your question. And if you prefer to remain anonymous, my team and I always ask how you're in control. It's your it's your story. So you're always in control of how you want to share it. But I just I my life has just been so transformed by love that I just love love. I love making content that informs people around this because it's something that I feel like I I read so many fairy tales when I was a kid and have seen so many rom-coms. I thought it was supposed to just happen. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so I gotta let people know what I know and how to shift um their experience in love if they want to.
1: That's beautiful. Is there anything else you wanna highlight? I know you mentioned your um the official dating coach for okay Cupid right now, is that right? And then you're That's on true. Drew's love bug portion on her show.
0: Yes. I'm a uh, regular on the Drew Barrymore show. I have a column in the LA times. I write for the Washington post. So, <laughs> you can see why I need eight hours of sleep, yes. but, um, but yeah, dates and That's the best place, um, where you can get started on, writing your dating profile or getting dating relationship advice for me. I have a free profile starter kit. If you're like, "Uh, I like what she said about online dating, but I don't know. How do I write my profile? That'll get you started. And that's all free. And then dates and mates I've been doing for, this is the ninth season of dates and mates. Um, I've been doing dates and mates almost as long as I've been practicing with glow. (laughs) (laughs) Almost as long, (laughs) but um, that is really where I, I try to find the most the the freshest voices on dating and relationships today, and really aim to to serve as many people as I can. So thank you for highlighting all of those great episodes. Oh, I could probably think of like ten more that your listeners yes. would love to hear. But go check it out at datesmates or or wherever you're listening to this podcast.
1: Okay, lovely. You are just a delight. I love your energy. We talk about energy coming through, and I can just feel your heart energy beaming out, and I know other people can feel that too. You bring people to ease and you help them feel comfortable and safe, which I think is really extra important, especially when dealing with matters of the heart. So I appreciate yeah. that in you. And I can see why you've been so successful with your work and on all these shows. And I heard someone call you the guru of, of relationships and dating. So that all- I think that
0: was Drew Barrymore, yes, but well, no big know. deal. <laughs> who I used to practice yoga with when she was in LA randomly, like didn't know her, but like yoga brings us all together. So thank you for But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) True, true. But we didn't know each other, but we shared a yoga space. And now we share space on the stage. So yeah, it's a full circle circle moment. moment. I love it.
1: All right. Thank you again for your time today, your amazing guidance and insights and Um, As Damona mentioned, she's been a longtime Glow lover. And so we look forward to having you on one of our member love episodes with Derek, just to hear more about your journey with Glow and how Glow has been there to help you along your life. Be wonderful to hear some of your experiences.
0: Yes, I can't wait to share all those stories.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank you. Take care. Thank you.
2: Thank you to our entire team behind the scenes at GLOW. I'm so grateful for your care and commitment to serving our members around the world. Thank you to our teachers for so beautifully sharing your gifts and talents. I'm also grateful to our lovely community of GLOW members. You've supported us since 2008, and because of you, we get to continue to do the work we love. It's the combined support of our team, our teachers, and our community that grants me the privilege to continue to bring you the GLOW podcast. Thank you to Lee Schneider, Red Cub Agency, for production support. And the beautiful music you're hearing now is by Carrie Rodriguez and her husband, Luke Jacobs. And remember, take care of yourself because our world needs you. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. You can find The Glow Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or glo.com slash podcast, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Derek Mills.